Hi well, everybody, welcome to the latest These Lads Are Mental. Neil here, uh, one half of These Lads Are Mental, and I'm beside the amazing Mark White from the UK. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, lovely. And where's Gary? Gary, where are you? I'm my house, mate, just watching you doing the couch, casting couch. Where's your, where's your house? I'm in Sydney as well, mate. I'm about 20 minutes from where you are just now. Okay. Yeah, not far. I love how he says house. Yeah. What's Monday's loose? Who's about this? Who's? That was round trees, wasn't it? Every pass was out of it, actually. Yeah, they don't make ads like they used to, remember? No, no, they don't know. Remember the Tango one where like they had the big, like, you get Black slapped. faces. Yeah. Yeah, and the mobile thing as well. Yeah, done it. Yeah. yeah. Where's the creativity gone, eh? Yeah. Well, look, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, it feels a bit high tech uh, this week. <laughs> we're, we're still on Zoom, but we've got wireless mics, thanks to uh, Mark's tech genius, Jamie. Um, and Mark is from Run Grateful. So, look, why don't we kick off by telling us who you are, where you're from, and what's Run Grateful all about? Yeah, Mark from the UK, just outside of London, and kind of born and bred, born in North London, big Tottenham Hotspur fan, for those of you that. Thank you, Ange. English, big uh, he's yeah. a Celtic fan. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you, you know the kind of feeling that I've got these days. Then. Oh, I definitely, yeah. Oh, man, I'm full of hope and, and joy. That, that man's a legend. That man is, is quickly becoming yeah, one of my favourite people in the world, uh, <laughs> apart from you know, Neil, of course. But, yeah, <laughs> listen, Run Grateful is, is something that I'm heavily involved in. It's, it's, my, it's my everything now, which um, I'm super chuffed about and I'm very, very passionate about it. So we're all about taking people on a more mindful movement journey and, and in particular connecting movement with, with gratitude. You know, Run Grateful is quite self-explanatory in that sense, but, you know, we're big fans of any kind of movement. If we're lucky enough to move, then, you know, that's a big thumbs up. And, and if you, you know, if we can, it's a superpower. So let's use that for the greater good. And the running is, tends to be our vehicle. And yeah, there's, there's loads of things that we do under the Run Grateful umbrella. One of them you're going to experience tomorrow, Neil. Very well, nervous. Depending on when people listen to this, but... Whatever the day is tomorrow, I'm losing track of all these days and times. But yeah, so yeah, so, something. I think the world is a better place with one grateful in it. So I'm just doing my very, very best to uh, to progress it and and see where yeah, see where it lands. Really, yeah, yeah. It's been so hard. with the ungrateful. The, this obviously podcast came out about quite short notice, and I sorry did mention he actually asked me to do the ungrateful thing tomorrow. But I've got a, a course on. Could you just explain to me and to everyone else? I did. I do know what it's all about, but in more detail, what Run Grateful actually is. All right, so here we are. It's that time of year again when Run Grateful facilitate an amazing, immersive experience centered around movement and gratitude. We're here in the wonderful Rye, 6th of September, just awaiting the people who have been traveling around the UK to be with us today as we embark on the challenge of starting with a 5K and then running a Grateful Mile on the hour every hour for the following 23 hours with a load of stuff in between. We're going to catch it all the best we can. Really looking forward to it. Don't just run, run grateful. Yeah. So, like I said, under the umbrella of run grateful, we do we do various things. All of it is centered around the power of a grateful mile. You know, so that's fundamentally the, at the core of, of what we believe. We believe in. You know, we believe a mile is a powerful thing. How you use that time, and uh, you know, as I've as I've shared, kind of, we're lucky enough to walk a mile or run a mile. Then then that's then that's a great thing. So, you know, we're not asking people to run marathons or anything off the bat. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose one of the the events that we are best known for and, and where Run Grateful was born from was me taking on the challenge back in early COVID days when we were allowed to leave the house for longer than an hour, which was 
on social prescription. I think it was disguised as at that time, wasn't it? It feels like a lifetime ago now. But but when we were allowed to venture out for longer than an hour, I come across a challenge of running a mile on the hour every hour for 24 hours. But there is a 5K thrown into the mix. So collectively over the, the, the 24 hour period, it's a marathon distance. And I chose to dedicate every mile to gratitude and you know people that I was grateful for and experiences that I've had. And I jumped to my social media. And I started to share about these 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 people and experiences, and you know, shared photos and videos that I had related to what I was talking about, and it just went down really well, you know. And, and I loved it. I immersed myself in this day, and I didn't know what was to come because it's quite spontaneous. And people loved reading it and and, and me sharing about it. And, and because mindful movement and gratitude running, etc., was part of my running relationship for many years prior to 2020. It's, it was just another example of where you take certain things for granted. I didn't know this was potentially new news to others. So at the end of you know this day, I was just like, wow, this can't just be for me. You know, how can we kind of create an opportunity and for others to maybe experience some of what I just did? What would that be called? And it's in me to kind of come up with things creatively, I suppose. And I named it Run Grateful. And 24 hours isn't for everybody. Even Neil was a little bit hesitant to think, oh, okay, what's, what's to come? But And that's where the Grateful Mile come from. Okay, let that be the buy-in. Let, let, let that be the introduction into what we're about. And wherever it leads, we can hopefully guide you through that through that path, really. So, yeah, we, we run a mile on the hour every hour for 24 hours. And in between the miles, we do some amazing stuff. Breath work, meditations, mobility, yoga. We share gratitude. We connect on a certain level. And yeah, we just trust it and we show up and we, we jump in and what happens, happens, you know, and, but it's, 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 it's an intimate affair, you know, and how many guys, there's 20 of us, is there? Yeah. So we kind of max it out always. I've done it a few times in the UK. This is the first time we've kind of ventured abroad, literally the other side of the world, but, but yeah, we max it out at 20. I think that's a nice number. I think there's a, an intimacy about that, which means it doesn't turn into anything there isn't, you know, we don't want it to be mass participation. We don't want flags and bells and whistles and musics and all this kind of, you know, the stripped back nature of it and the rawness of it, I think is really powerful. There's enough glitz and glamour out there. And, and yeah, we, you know, we don't need to close roads. We don't need dozens of marshals to facilitate, you know, these events and volunteers. All we need is one mile and 20 odd people. And but yeah, we would be in men's mental health month. We're doing it. Uh, we've got a group of guys coming together tomorrow at the pavilion in Bondi and, and yeah, I'm really yeah, we've got um, it's a who's who of celebrities, including myself. Now there's we've got Trent from the 440 Club, who's helped organise it, right? Yeah, huge. Yeah, yourself and Trent have been fundamental. We suppose the team really yeah. of just yeah doing what we can to to bring it together. And uh, yeah, 440 are obviously very well respected, and uh, yeah, yeah, just a great community. And Trent's a and great we have, guy. We have Rory Warnock, who's been on this show as well before, breathwork guy. Is there anyone else? of note or what's the general mix of people like because well i know rory there's a few other guys that are ultra marathon runners mm -hmm. you obviously do this all the time so trent runs all day you know every day kind of yeah. thing is there what's the mix of the 20 lads is there any lay people like myself on it or ah, well listen you know that's enough there's so many layers to this event which is just I don't want to say too much. If He's keeping up, it all under wraps. No, no, I'll know. come up this morning. You're kind enough to introduce me to another amazing group that goes on here every week. And it's been an, you know, an amazing experience these last few days, just being connected and introduced to you know, this great place, which I've experienced for the first time. But you know, back to the event, you know, it's, with you doing it tomorrow, there's only 
because the beauty of it is the unknown and the uncertainty and I think that it kind of replicates life in a lot of ways like I, I associate the miles that we do with the you know the days of life and just we never quite know what might be around the corner and you know one you know you take it a day at a time you take it a mile at a time and and the beauty of this you know one of the beautiful things around this event I've already shared a few is just the the amount of people that can kind of gravitate towards it and have their own experience we've got the ultra runners which kind of you know, run 100 miles plus or 100k or 50k, you know, a fair distance, you know, 5k is a long way if you don't run it, a mile is a long way if you're not used to it. And then, you know, for them to stop after every mile is alien to them. So they have their own experience. And then you have people that have maybe never done a marathon before. And this is a great way of doing your first marathon. So yeah, there's loads of stuff in between. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how old you are, male, female, black, white, Australian, English, you know, this is the beauty of, of gratitude. It's a global currency, you know, and, and the movement side of things enables us to come together in a way. And yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a great thing. And I believe, you know, well, we're already on our way to taking it around the world and uh, doing some good and, and having a large impact with it. Quality, mate. Hey, good. good. Good story, that. Cool. What, what, was, uh, like, what was the reason for you getting stuck into it and start? Obviously, COVID was a sort of trigger for a lot of people. Because a lot of people took up running, didn't they? Because that was really the only thing you could do. Is that was was it as simple as that? Is that what made you get stuck into it? Run grateful in particular. I've been running since around 2010, 11. Um, yeah, I wanted to give up mobile lights because them little them little rascals were. Yeah, they you know they were powerful little things. They are. Yeah, uh, they're strong. Those, are, are they heavy ones? Those ones? Yeah, no, then the mobile reds. You know, I just you know I was yeah I had a few of them in my lifetime, but yeah, mobile lights were just. I didn't want to smoke no more. You know, I had two daughters that were fairly young at the time. They were starting to read, you know, they were like three, fours or whatever. And, you know, yeah, as we know, over the last few years in particular, they're, you know, on the packs, there's some nasty images and some yeah. nasty words like smoking kills. And, you know, I already knew, you know, I'd kind of, I've lived in a, a sober life for since 2002. So I knew that the, the smoking was the last thing to go from a, like an addictive uh, point of view. And a good pal of mine just suggested, let's give up smoking together. Let's kind of support each other on that journey. And why don't we give running a go? He'd had evidence in the past of, of running. He used to be like an elite uh, boxer and professional boxer in the early 90s. So he, he had a level of evidence which he knew the value that it brought to kind of have that fitness lifestyle. I never really, I, I, you know, I got into Stella Artois and, and cigarettes and drugs and other bits quite, quite early on. So yeah, I was never a, a professional boxer, put it that way. Uh, so anyway, fast forward, I trusted this man, he's like a brother to me and we were good friends and I thought, yeah, I'll give running a go. And uh, so that's what got me into running and I suppose with the sobriety journey I was on, things like gratitude and, and other aspects of like the wellness life, way of life was, you know, in me and part of my fabric now and I've built some positive habits over the years. So to kind of combine my running with stuff around, you know, in that nature was was fairly obvious to me but didn't didn't you have a big crossroads where you were you were running another organization which covid kind of got in the way and then that yeah i settled down early and i've not shared this story actually for for, for a while so, yeah so i settled down early I, I, I sobered up in 2002 i was 18 19 i had my 19th birthday in rehab and then very you know within a maybe 18 months two years of of being sober and leaving rehab and just trying to get my life back together i met my my wife she turned out to be my wife and uh, and had my daughters etc and then I fell into a job quite quickly which was quite kind maybe fun I mean I worked very hard but yeah financially there was a bit of disposable income every month and it was cool and I was a new dad and, and all that kind of jazz 
but it wasn't really what I was born to do, I didn't feel like. So fast forward to around about 2013, I had a few ideas and, and running actually really put fuel on the fire when it comes to this and it kind of just brought about this creativity and various ideas that I had and my curiosity was starting to kind of play a massive part in like, okay, what could these look like? You know, what could I do with this? But still having that balance between the responsibilities that I had and, you know, and, and with some of what I was up to in life, you know, that kind of value of community and mm-hmm. being of service and giving back was a huge player for me and something I was deeply passionate about. So I founded a community interest company called Your Town, and that was off the back of a, a running event in my hometown of Hoddesdon in Hertfordshire, just outside of North London. And it was all around where we lived and about how we felt about where we lived, how we contributed, how we showed up. And then I used running as, as the vehicle for that. So we created this great event called Give Your Town a Runaround. And, you know, that was closed roads, you know, a, a good few people, thousand odd people, and a lot went into it. And so then I transitioned out of the, the job I was in for a few years and just thought, I'm going to give this a, I'm going to give this a crack, as Ange would say. I'm going to give this a crack and I'm going to honour my creativity and my, maybe my entrepreneurial spirit. And so Your Town was a community interest company that existed for a few years. We had Your Town Runners, Your Town Walkers, Give Your Town a Runaround. We were growing out across the UK and, you know, I was getting recognised as uh, just somebody who's a bit forward thinking, just especially in the community space. And was that, yeah, if I jump in, was that, was the goal of that to support low socioeconomic areas, like yeah. get people off the streets, kind of give them a purpose? Was that the idea? Yeah, it? all of that was in the yeah. fabric of it. It was... Mm. You know, as always, you know, and, and, and there's a common uh, thread going through Run Grapefruit as well. It was always about kind of provoking thoughts in others, and not necessarily in a subtle way, but in a way in which it wasn't kind of aggressive. But like, yeah, you're let's take responsibility or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but let's, let's take responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of how can we show, what can we do instead of complaining all the time about if only this had happened, if only the council did this, if only this didn't. You know, what, what can we do? And collectively as a community, if we're all chipping away at these things and coming together and making things happen and making change, then, yeah, listen, no place is perfect. No place is perfect. So, yeah, your town was an opportunity to create kind of opportunities and spaces for people to come together, you know, care about where they live, you know, connect and, yeah, contribute. And, yeah, as, you know, town centre vibrancy and, you know, especially in the UK and how kind of, High streets were mm. were being used was different to how they were used to being used because the internet and shopping malls and so it's a big conversation. It's complex, and then you get people complaining about things they're not you know how they used to, and they never were because life is always progressive. It's always yeah. the whole back in my day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's always saying. I'm saying that now. You know, we always yeah. say what our parents said, and so we're not reinventing the wheel here. Mm. But it is the harsh reality of the world. You know that things do move forward, and if you don't keep up, and but you've always got people and blockers around. You know, people, mm. especially with local. I don't know what they're called over here, but like local authorities and councils. I think it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You know, they're institutionalized. They're kind of risk adverse. They're yeah. There's a lot centered around fear. They're trying to please everybody all the time, and it's an impossible job. Mm. So that's where we kind of strip it back and think, okay, yeah, just like people don't listen Keep to the mum and dads, maybe they don't listen to local councils. So if your town could create a brand which is maybe, yeah, similar voice because mm-hmm. we still want the same outcomes, but maybe messaged in a slightly different way, then you know, and it's a beautiful thing. But then COVID happened, and, and it still say, exists. I was going to say, oh, that sounds great, and then yeah. COVID hit. <laughs> yeah, you know, we couldn't see each other, but uh, and the mo- most of it was in person. You know, and what that was what was? Do you mind me asking what was COVID like in the UK? Because in in Australia here, and if you remember Gary, or it was all kind of, I suppose, subjective to your area. We were in Bondi. There was that shutdown for like a week or two where you couldn't leave. But then outside of that, it was pretty 
relaxed here. I remember ringing my mates back in Ireland when I was walking down on the beach and everyone was around. They're like, how are you doing this? Like, we're all in lockdown. Like, was it tough where you were? Like, was it hardcore lockdown? Yeah, it was so surreal, wasn't it? It was mm. so surreal. I mean, you, you, you reflect now and think, wow, kind of what a, what a moment in time that was. But it's, yeah, it's, it's mad, a lot, mad a lot to think changed. it's already come and gone. Yeah, like, four years like, ago nearly, like yeah. yeah. Four years ago. So, yeah, you know, true gratitude style, you know, it's a uh, glass half full. Some beautiful things come out of it, you know, i.e. run grateful. And I suppose a lot of people's experiences, not everyone's, it did impact, you know, and, and like I said, I could choose to maybe look at it through a certain perspective, which is, Certain things were ruined in the Burton commas, mm. but, but it was what it was. A lot of people lost a lot of things and it impacted and, you know, and, and you hear some horror stories around how loved ones and parents yeah, and, you know, so that is just horrendous. And for me, I saw looking in, oh, thank God I didn't get to, to that level. My, my pops, who I was very close to, my granddaddy passed away literally a week before and the idea of that, you know, in passing maybe a few weeks on and not being able to see him. I mean, it don't even bear thinking about. But yeah. but yeah, you know, for my own reality, I was with my girls and my wife at the time and we were indoors spending time together and jumping on Zooms for work. And there was still a lot of stuff to sort out because things were still existing and live. But I was doing me ice baths. I was doing me gyms. I was doing me walks and doing me steps and having me dog. And so it, it wasn't outrageously bad and, and I remember everyone being really chuffed that the weather was actually really good yeah. which helps um, you were still in your sobriety at this stage yeah this is yeah I was like 2018 years sober then so, um, yeah. yeah I remember it actually because there was a big like when when COVID did happen here there was definitely the cocktails on Monday kind of thing yeah, and like, yeah. people I remember even there was a stage where it was almost like every night you almost felt like you kind of deserved yeah, a drink yeah. because yeah. That is a big world, thing. You know, the whole world was under so much stress. Yeah. Awesome. And retirement for a lot of people, wasn't it? It's, yeah. Uh, they kind of see it as that. And they were because, you know, the furlough things and people getting paid to stay at home. And yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the drinking become maybe a bit more. And But you did hear horror stories, you know, and mm. it is definitely something that I'm sensitive to. But, you know, like domestic violence and all that. So as much as I'm, I can only share about my reality and what happened, but you, you know, you, you did hear that mm. some big stressful things went on yeah, for, for yeah. a lot of people, just being enclosed and not being able to do what they wanted to do yeah. and, uh, you know, and being told what to do. And it really heightened a lot of, and then you had a lot of yeah, big global uh, things happen like Black Lives Matter all happened yeah. at that time. And it was a real unique yeah. time, wasn't it? Then Boris was still having a few parties, wasn't he? <laughs> all right, yeah, well, yeah, we, we found that out later on. But yeah, listen, everyone's at it, and they, but, but yeah, listen, whatever your opinion is, and yeah, I remember on the mind. because Sonny, my, my my young fella, he was born in the COVID era, kind of okay, thing. Yeah, wow. so when when Sue was born or conceived, he was conceived. Yeah, because COVID came in twenty nineteen, uh, twenty twenty. It was twenty nineteen, yeah, March. Yeah. yeah, he was born twenty twenty one. So yeah, okay. he, he would there have been. But when, when Sue was pregnant, I couldn't go to any of the, yeah, wow. the pre-stuff. And then mm. when the day he was born, I was allowed, but we had to get check. We had to get a check like every day, like for about three weeks in the lead up, which was a nightmare. Mm. And then we had a doula, which is like a specialist kind of midwife that kind of helps you privately in the lead up. She wasn't allowed in the room or anything like that. Mm. And it was all very, I had to wear a mask and everything in the room with her. Like it was like, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, talking about Australia, so the guy actually that got me into running that I spoke about, his son uh, come to Australia in 2020, just before COVID, 2019, mid-20s or whatever he was, and he actually got diagnosed with leukaemia 
during COVID and obviously the parents couldn't come out and, and, and I've just done the flight and listen, you always, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's known to be like the longest flight ever, you know, yeah. and it just, yeah, the stories around what some people went through because to do the flight, which is bad enough, knowing your son's mm. going through chemo here on the other side of the world and then to be in a hotel room for two weeks, mm. being served food at a door and... And then knowing yourself, yeah, like I said, you could look back like it didn't happen. This funny, funny you mentioned about hotels, and because we've been talking about marathons, I actually knew an Irish guy who lives here in Melbourne. He's he used to be a former AFL player. He ran a mar- he was in lockdown for two weeks, which is you know you had to do your quarantine when yeah. you flew. And so in the two weeks, he decided to run a marathon in his bedroom in the hotel room. Wow! So he measured out what a lap of his room was, which was you know I don't know ten meters or something mm-hmm. like that. And oh, he literally Mad, eh? he ran a marathon and he live streamed it. So he was going like that all day. Like wow, it was insane. Oh my god, that'd be rough. That <laughs> you're going insane. Like, so... oh my, I couldn't do that, man. Couldn't do that. Yeah, my little thing was only is trivial. Like, but you know, but yeah, as you were saying, a lot of a lot of people lost loved ones, couldn't see them. Like it was, it was, it was yeah, a tough terrific time. time. Yeah, and yeah. and thinking of your story, if like if you don't mind sharing, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned that. You're in 18, 19, like was, what was going on? What led you to the kind of, into that, you know, area of alcohol and drugs? Did you, have you been able to put your finger on that or? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, a lot of work's gone into getting a little bit as, well, as, as much clarity as I needed or I felt like I needed to kind of sift through the denial, you know, because at the time I didn't think I had problems and I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, did you have it's a, a disabled family and all that kind of stuff or? Um, I, I grew up, thinking that something wasn't maybe completely as it should be, yeah. you know, whatever that is, you know, and, you know, I suppose from the outside looking at 2.4 children and happy oh, yeah. families and yeah. the things you watch in movies and, you know, so I know, I know that doesn't exist for everybody. Like it's, it's you know, it is what it is for a lot of people and there's ups and downs and rounds and rounds and things happen. And uh, unfortunately, but yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the worst childhood in the world by far, you know, but but yeah, I kind of, as time was progressing, I got a sense or an intuition that maybe things weren't completely right. You know, my dad wasn't present all the time. There's no, there wasn't no blame at the time because I didn't think that anything untoward was going on. Later on down the line, you kind of find out that a few things had happened and, mm-hmm. you know, my mum and dad actually weren't together and we didn't know this. And so, yeah, th- you know, there, there was things that contributed maybe to certain feelings that I was having but then uh, you know alongside that I was living my own life around you know I was very insecure very inadequate very you know there's a lot of fear and anxiety in in me and you know fear of yeah just living in fear you know and and then as you know my behavior went to different levels just through addictions the dishonesty and the lying and all of a sudden you just get caught in this dark trap of not knowing who you are where you are what you're doing what you want to do why you're here the suicidal Kind of tendencies, and you know, I wasn't doing esteemable acts, and my self self worth was on the floor, mm. and just no guidance, no direction, just completely uninspired. Yeah. And then there was a consequence to to something, and got you know, I got kind of pushed into a corner to to make a choice. You either go and seek help for what is clearly you know a massive problem with, with drugs, you know, drink included, because for me it's all like mind altering stuff. Or we're going to take you to, to the police. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I might go down the, the other direction. That your parents, was it? Or? Yeah, it was my yeah. parents, yeah, yeah, and a couple of other things were going on at the time. And, you know, it's just consequences all the way. I could never drink without consequence. And yeah, it was always, 
is it was always there was always something happening and, and I was just obsessed and just mm. I said bang in denial and in my own little world and well credit to you because like you've been sober since what 19 or 20 yeah, my 19th birthday in rehab yeah so like, I went in the June and my birthday's July yeah. and I've just turned 40 so 21 years this I year I mean that that is also amazing mm. in its own right because at that age to make that decision is a very mature thing to do and also credit to you because like a lot of people takes them a long, long time to come to that. You know, mm. it could be in their 30s or 40s or 50s before they go, I need to knock this on the head where you, mm. you did that as, you know, a teenager, essentially. Mm. Very lucky, I suppose, to be put in a... And it's not anything, you know, they, they, they say largely, you know, your your surroundings kind of determine yeah. where you are and who you are and it was, you are the five people you surround yourself with. And, you know, because I didn't think I was up to any you know, anything too bad. Yeah. Listen, it wasn't rocket science. I knew a lot of what I was doing wasn't ideal and I knew, you know, you'd rather not do these things. So I wasn't stupid, but I was powerless and I didn't have a choice, you know, as I see it then. I did after I got you know, some exceptions around it because then I had a choice to make. But at that time, it was just what we did. And I was surrounding myself with people that were kind of doing similar things. And so, and you're, like you mentioned, you're like 17, 16, 17, and 18 is what you do. You're exploring, yeah. you're curious, you're trying things, you're going clubbing and bars and drinking and get and everything that that involves. You know? And all it takes is what we were speaking about this yesterday. All it takes, I didn't take any drugs until I was about 21. Mm. And then it was just a bloke who came into a, a job that I was working on who knew a guy who could get him ecstasy and then... That, it was literally like, I'll get you some. I was like, I'm not sure. And then there was a festival, and then bam. And then I went on like a two, three year kind of. Yeah, yeah. I loved them for a little period. Yeah, yeah but you know, it's just, it's, it can be just one small thing that can kind of set yeah. you down that path, or one mate that comes into your life that kind of influences you in a way. And then it's like, holy shit, you know? And it, and it could have turned out that after going to rehab, it could have turned out that I was just a bit of a problem drinker. I was just young, stupid. Mm. And like I said, maybe in inverted commas, fell in with the wrong crowd and just got into some bad habits and bad yeah. routines. And But it didn't, you know, it, it, it transpired that actually, you know, all these kind of insecurities and um, inadequacies and fears, et cetera, were, you know, were part of a bigger problem, you know, just kind of how I thought and felt about myself and the world and, and you know my compulsive behaviour and addictive personality meant that there was other things going on, and and it was yeah really obvious after a, a little bit of work and being in rehab and other things and being around certain people, and I felt like that. Okay, I did things like that. I wasn't alone with it. Yes, listen, when I deal, I, I need to you know work on making amends and and other things just to kind of bring balance to the conversation because mm-hmm. I'm not all bad, but I need to start. You know, I remember when I was in rehab and I wrote my mum a letter saying that there, there's going to be probably a couple of people knocking because I am a bit of money and not for the first time, by the way. And, you know, drug dealers and stuff like that. And I was in Wales at this time. That's where Wales, and my mum wrote back to me. It's funny because mobile, you had the Nokia 8210s then. So there was no like FaceTimes and, and we weren't allowed to use the phones, by the way. No TV. I remember they allowed us to watch England, Argentina in the 2002 World Cup. Uh, they allowed yeah. us that. Anyway, and uh, my mum wrote back saying actions speak louder than words. You know, she'd heard it all before. Mm. And that really stayed with me. And I'm just sharing the story now because it's something I still think about. Not often, but it comes up. And, and that was maybe one of the first times where I just had a, a light bulb moment where I just thought, actually, yeah, do you know what? Behaviour is just shocking. You know, it's all about me, that self-centred, selfish behaviour. I don't really care about anyone else, but I do. 
but I don't, you know, and because mm. my actions yeah. are big. And, and yeah, before you know it, the, I was sitting through the denial and I surrounded myself with better people and identifying with these great people and I was getting a bit of hope and I was getting a bit inspired and one day rolled into another day, rolled into another day and before you knew it, it's my first birthday, my first Christmas, my first this, my first that and I was like, wow, all right, the only thing I can't do in life is, is not drink and take drugs. And everything else, there's a possibility. As long as that stays out of my life, I've got half a chance. And yeah, with that mentality, it served me well. And and now, yeah, but alongside this, 21 years sounds amazing, and it is, and you know, amazing. And I'm absolutely over the moon and chuffed. But I heard early on that sobriety is a state of mind. You know, mm. you can be 21 years a complete dickhead. You know, and so I'll, I'll take that with me every day. It's, it's a state of mind, and you know, no day is is maybe straightforward. So, but yeah, we've. A clear mind, you know, I alcohol free. Like I said, I've got a chance. Yeah. Well, that's quality, mate. What I'd be curious to know is so, on days like obviously, we talk about mental health a lot in this podcast. So, days where you're having a shit day or shit time, not necessarily a shit day, but a shit time, something goes awry. Have you had those temptations creep back into your mind? No. Absolutely not. That's um, but, but listen, that's, 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 that's a fair amount down the line at the start. Absolutely. You know, as I just yeah. mentioned, all the first, because I had no real evidence to suggest I could get through a birthday, a Friday night, a Thursday morning or whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's when it becomes tough because you need to start to create, you know, these, this, this, oh, I'll say again, but this, this evidence to suggest it can be done because otherwise the monkey brains start, you can't do that. You can't go there and not do that. You can but when you do it for the first time, it's like, well, actually, I can do it. When you do it for a second time, you're like, well, I did it last time. I can do it again. And when you do it a third and fourth and the fifth time, then it just becomes how it is. So, yeah, there, there was stages in that first period. I don't know exactly, year, 18 months, two years, whenever, when, you know, every part of your being just wants to act out and you're having all these feelings and thoughts and the habits that you created or the kind of, you know, the messages to your mind was to escape them, you know, and to, to kind of live with these feelings and to embrace them and to know that they ain't going to kill you and to know that, you know, it's not unique, it's your only experience. That, but that takes time and that takes, you know, effort and that takes determination and that takes resilience and it takes persistence and it takes everything that you need to live life, really, and whether you're sober or not, you know, you can't be happy all the time. And, and people say, well, just accept it or just let it go or don't, you know, acceptance comes later on, you know, before yeah. it, acceptance is, is just the same as grief and letting go, you know, there's layers and there's stages before you can actually reach a point where you think, okay, do you know what? Thanks for that, but I need to I need to move on. I just gone through it. Did divorce. you get a lot of? Was there a lot of pressure when you went sober with your mates? Whether ah, oh, they'll be fucking softy, you know? Like, yeah, did yeah. you get all 100%. that? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, always 100%. that. But with those ones, it's always uh, like, I've had a few mates, similar circumstances to yourself, and when they come out like, no, I'm not drinking. We're like, all right, okay. And you go, I can have one or two, but yeah. you're like, no, no, I'm not drinking. Ah, one beer's not gonna kill you. You're like, no, but I'm not drinking at all. I can have one and it's just like Scott like no mate fuck off I'm not having any what yeah, that's your what's wrong with you is yeah, yeah, what's yeah. wrong with you if you're not yeah and it's just one of them ones isn't it where at the time yeah it can be a bit frustrating and you just kind of think yeah it gets a bit tiring but then on the flip side of that you kind of think especially you know my reality was we were all 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 that kind of era that kind of age group and they're not going to think any other way because that's what you do at that age. Mm. So I had to make some tough choices, you know, so like, okay, how much did I want this, you know, and so I had to kind of dis- disconnect from them all and make a choice to not see them again. Did you let go of a few minutes? Yeah. yeah, there was two that I stayed friendly with and they've been amazing. They're still friends today, Katie and Laura. 
and yeah. they've come back into my life later on in, yeah. in various disguises. And listen, we're not tight like we used to, but yeah, there's, listen, there's a, there's a respect there and we, you know, they love what I'm doing now and they, and they champion it and they like it and Instagrams and send me messages and we bumped into each other, went to a pal's 40th birthday in the summer and in a house that we'd done a lot of, we had a lot of good nights yeah, in this yeah, house. Yeah. It was like the party house. He had seven brothers. His mum and dad was always the one that were going away and it was like, the, you know, that mm. was the place to be. That was my house. And, you know, the first time I've been there in 21 years. And yeah, you know, and I've bumped into a few pals that I've not seen in 22, 23 years and... Was it, know, was it triggering and all? Did you like? No, nah, 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 mate. Nah. It was. It was. I'm just not that guy. A lot yeah. of them were different. Some of them were exactly yeah. the same. And but it's nice that there's a there's a like I said a respect there. It sounds a bit too yeah. corporate or whatever the word yeah. is. But yeah. but yeah, this I, I'm so far removed from that life now, and so there's no triggers, and it becomes yeah, it's just not me. And yeah. but there's no kind of. If I walk down the street, I'll cross the road. Like none of that kind of shame or guilt around anything. Yeah. I made a choice. I had to. It was my life, you know. I had to make a strong choice because it was ultimately it was, it was life or death at, at one point. So, unfortunately, and it slips off my tongue now. You know, it wasn't easy just yeah. to kind of say no. I ain't it's amazing out. resilience though to, to be doing that. Like, As I call it, everyone. Like, when I was nineteen, twenty. You know, you're a fucking idiot. Like yeah, you know, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. use a go through that. I don't know whether you relapse right now, but like to have all those mates, I can I can feel I can get that sense of all your mates going. You should be doing this, da, da, da. cutting all those ties, and sticking to your guns. Like that's that's it. Yeah, no, it, it, it was bigger. It was bigger at the time, but it needed to be done. And then, mm. like anything in life, whether it be personally or professionally or whatever, you sometimes you are kind of the question is asked: How much do you want this? You know, how much do you want it? How far are you willing to go? How much are you willing to sacrifice for the greater good? Knowing that, yeah, things need to change and choices need to be made and things need to be confronted and, you know, fears need to be faced. And uh, yeah, but I was getting encouraged all the time. I was like, no, do you know what? Like, this, this, this life offers me more than that life. And, and that life I kind of knew and no one was forcing me. And that's, that was my, and I remember doing it. I remember sitting, it was two days before I was going to rehab, but there was like six, seven months where I was like in and out of AA and I was still drinking and using, I was drinking in meetings and fucking popping to toilets and sniffing coke in meetings. Madness for a few months. And I remember I was, you know, two or three days out and about and I come back. It was early morning, looking out my window, thinking I'm going to rehab in two days. What the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. You've got an amazing opportunity. Not everyone gets this opportunity. You know, I didn't get paid privately. It was all kind of by the state, etc. And I remember saying constantly, okay, when you go there, give it your all. Just just with an open mind. This type of language wasn't really in me, but, you know, worse to that effect. Just In other words, just go, give it your best. And if at the end of that three-month period, you're thinking, no, do you know what? Fuck this. I'm just a problem doing that. I'm going through a bit of a dodgy period. And then you can go back. Go back to your pals. Go back to around my mate's party house every Friday night because I knew what... But it just so happened that with the honesty and the structures and the, and the guidance that, that I was getting and you were sitting through everything and you were doing some work, it was like, no, nah, that's never going to work. There's no doubt in my mind, 100 trillion, no matter what anyone says, what I tell myself or what I used to try to tell myself, is one million percent. I cannot drink just like one Budweiser, one Stella, one Bocca, and like whatever. I just can't do it. And I don't want to. And what's the point? You know, because sometimes, you know, like them mates, as you just described them as, you know, I may be one and this, that, and the other. Or uh, what if you could take a pill? What if now, now we're in 20? <laughs> One, you know, 2024, I'm sure, I mean, I think there's rumours that they already exist and I'm not too sure. Yeah, I thought you could take a pill and it would kind of numb that side of your brain that is the compu- Why? Why would I want, why? You know? uh, 
does not interest me whatsoever. I don't miss the taste. I don't miss it. I don't miss anything, you know. Mm. And yeah, I don't, I don't believe that I've taken these addictions into areas of my life. I'm not. I don't believe I'm a workaholic. I'm very passionate about my purpose, and and that is through my work. I mean, I had a big conversation with somebody earlier, a big agency. We, we're going to take this 24-hour event on tour. Did you see the balloons in my fucking screen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fuck was that? <laughs> oh, my God. I thought I was taking some of those fucking drugs there. I was like, what the hell's happening here? <laughs> what the fuck was that? You were just talking about party houses. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's your house, mate. We need to be around yours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's good to come back, mate. It's, uh, for the, the way you live your life now and stuff like that, and the way you explained how you do things now is, mate, Sydney is, oh, not necessarily Sydney, but Australia in general, it's pretty much, that is Sydney in a nutshell. Of course, the dr- drinking culture and that sort of thing still exists, but in terms of, like, Sully mentioned the COVID situation, it's Australia. I mean, I don't necessarily agree, Sully, it wasn't bad here. It was very much lockdown. I think the difference was that when we had our, like, one hour or two hours of activity, we could walk around the beach. Whereas in the UK, it may have been pissing with rain or there's nowhere really to go in the UK unless you're walking to a pub or wherever yeah. it might be. Mm. Whereas Australia, you could literally walk out to some of the best places in the world. Mm. Uh, I think that, is, that was the biggest difference for us because we had people got balconies out in the balcony. So it was the UK, if you're in a tiny, a tiny flat with two or three kids, oh. that is rough, man. Pissing yeah. with rain outside. Yeah. And then that's when you hit the bevy and think, fuck it, I'm just going to get pissed. Nothing else to do. Whereas yeah. in Australia, you could just sit in the balcony, chill, get some tunes on. Have a barbecue, yeah. very different. The families, like, because I can't imagine what that was like. Nah. Yeah, because like, you'd still have to do your day job. I remember doing my day job and it was fine, but like, if you had two or three kids running around yeah, yeah, yeah. at home with your partner who you don't normally see for those eight hours, yeah, most intense. Yeah, my girls were kind of, whatever, yeah, was, they were like 13, 14, 15, so they could kind of look after themselves, and it wasn't that. Four, five, six age where they, yeah, it's really hands on and the homeschooling. We had to literally be a teacher. You know, I mean, we weren't kind of dismissive. We were just like, just crack on girls, go and do what you got to do with your Zoom calls. And, you know, and I had a garden and all that kind of stuff, a home gym. And so, yeah, very, very, very lucky. I had my ice bath in the park in the back. Where now, fast forward, because since I've got divorced, unfortunately, and I'm in, in a flat and other bits and pieces, yeah, the, sometimes the idea, the, the thought crosses my mind. What if, Something like that is happening again, and I haven't got a garden. Yeah. I miss a garden so bad. Mm. And th- like you mentioned, then you just kind of think about other people's realities with just mm. no outdoor space. And they kind of, I wonder people's mental health went, went uh, through the roof mm. because, yeah, intense. And what do you, one, of the questions, one of the questions we normally ask at the beginning is, what does mental health mean to you? So considering like COVID, all the stuff that you've done, what, what does mental health mean to you day to day? I feel like I should answer, I should know this question. I suppose what comes to mind is, and I've kind of loosely uh, shared about it in, in, a, in a different way, but just what sobriety means is state of mind. And, and I think it is kind of state of mind. It's like, okay, how am I dealing with things? How am I managing my emotions? How am I navigating through life? You know, am I giving myself the best opportunity to deal with what's coming? And, you know, it's very, it's a bit of a, you know, there's loads of contradictions in there, like nothing matters, everything matters. We've got all the time in the world, but actually you need to crack on now because you don't know what's <laughs> around the corner. So, mm. you know, how, how am I kind of handling all these, you know, this mindset, you know, and, and knowing that as a consequence, this come up in our workshop yesterday, I think is coming back to me now. But if you want to push and reach your full potential and you want to explore what you're capable of and follow your curiosities and create and build and, you know, 
give back, uh, things happen. You know, you're in process. You're you're dealing with other human beings that are maybe not on the same page as you, and maybe want something and not telling you, and want you know, and and then you're just in in the mix of it all, and you know, and it's challenging, and it's up and down, and it's a bit like snake and ladders, and some you feel like you're winning, and all of a sudden two or three things happen at once and it fucking knocks you for six. And, you know, I've just kind of lost a lot just for a little bit of uh, a business venture and uh, which didn't, you know, it didn't quite go to plan. I've got divorced and other bits and, you know, they're big, heavy things and I'm a dad and I'll take that very seriously. So, yeah, I suppose stripping all that back, okay, am I giving my best opportunity to deal with that? You know, am I open-minded enough to, you know, how am I supporting myself physically and mentally? You know, mm. and uh, am I judging things? Oh, I don't want to do that. It's a load of shit. Oh, I don't need to do that. Or they need to do that because they're mad. And he's mad. it's like, okay, am I mad? You know what I mean? And do I do a bit of breath work? Do I do a bit of journaling? Do I do a bit of Tai Chi? Do I do a bit of walking? Do I? All these kind of opportunities are out there. And if I don't like that, I could try that. If I didn't like that, I don't, you know, you can pick these things up. So I suppose if you've pushed yourself into a corner and deny it and you get resentful and you start to get really bitter then you know the mental health goes down because it is it is a funky place the world and it's complex and sometimes it is that kind of what the hell is all this about mm. it gets so disheartening all the politics all the agenda all the separation all the divide sometimes it's like this is how hell is described mm. you know and you could be in bondi and like you said one of the best places in the world and you look out and you've got the sea or you could be somewhere else and, and i suppose it's about how we our perspective on things, you know, and, and, and the choices that we make and, and just having hope because if you are in a certain environment and you are products of that environment, it's hard to see a way out of it. You know, a bit like me and my pals, you know, not so extreme because there's some more absolute extreme examples, but if you're around certain people that are doing certain things and acting in certain ways, you're going to do it. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you put yourself in others and you live, live you know, being in just uh, around this place, like Bondi Beach in the last two or three days, you can sense that there's a decent enough energy here that, you know, it isn't impossible for you after a few days to tap mm. into that and bang, you know, your life could change. But yep. you know, uh, but then, as I've said before, it all boils down to how much I want it, how much I want this stuff. And, and uh, because, yeah, you know, like I said the darkness is... So I think environment there. environment is a big thing and like there is the nature versus nurture thing. But yeah, like one of the things I would say about Bondi and even Sydney and even Australia is you're in a from an environment point of view, you're in a pretty good place. It doesn't mean that you still can't have all these issues, but at least the environment here is a pretty safe Yeah, you, obviously, the way I kind of describe that maybe is you've got half a chance because I think we all yeah. know people that on the outside look like they've got everything. They've got, you know, from a financial point of view, they've got a lot of what maybe a lot of people want to get and they're still deeply unhappy, you mm. know, and they're, they're, they haven't got that joy, you know, they can't find joy in much and, you know, they haven't, got that inspiration and, and that's why I love doing what I do I do what I do for free if I could and I do most of the time but uh, it's really important to me you know and you know and I trust the outcome of that where maybe you know it will work out where everyone wins and, and and it all stacks up but and that's where you kind of got to strip it back to think okay what actually matters here my, my time on earth you know and you know what how do I want to spend that and I think you know it's a generational thing as well but I think that that kind of mainstream mentality is coming more and more about actually, do you know what? I don't need that. Mm. I don't want that. Actually, that minimal kind of life, as long as I've got this, as long as I can go out and got a level of freedom and lifestyle, and it's not just a, a, an Australian thing, I think a lot of people now that are coming, coming up are looking at all this 
yeah. politics and agenda and attachment and kind of this debts and mortgages and thinking, fuck that. Yeah. No, thank you very much. I don't, I well, don't want a, that. That's one of the things I think COVID did give us. I did, like, I think it, it did put health and wellness at, at the forefront mm. and everyone thought, it accelerated life, a lot. Yeah, life is too short. And I don't have the stats on this, but I feel like the drink culture is, has to be coming down a bit, like globally. I mean, it's, it's still there. Don't get me wrong, but. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying it because it's more impactful. Yeah, on my own yeah like smoking's going out, isn't it? That's that's. Mm. Uh, I think alcohol, but I think it's being replaced with like antidepressants and and kind of other, you know, prescription things. So listen, these things will always exist, and people always use them because. We're, you know, yeah, we've got addictive personalities. We've got addictive right? personalities, yeah. and I think the messages on the world is to kind of, you know, largely creates a lot of anxiety. And, you know, mm. the way that we're kind of built and we manage that, and, and it's so easy, you know, so accessible now. and. And yeah, and then you're just in that constant feedback loop of wanting mm-hmm. to give up this and do that and knowing it's not right. And then, you know, and then. Yeah, because it yeah. can also be the most trivial things. Like for me, I found food has been a real, like yeah. I've been actually really realizing this, that food has become almost like my, my addictive thing at the moment where mm-hmm. I want to just eat something from a comfort place and it actually makes me feel good. Yeah. And I'm now latching onto that as a, as a sense of validation, which yeah. is. It's like anything. If you abuse anything, no matter what it is, it, it can be bad for you. Yeah. So yeah, it is. Even running, you know, mm. and like I said, what can go for you can go against you. If you anything, you know, uh, mm. can kind of yeah quickly turn into something. So yeah, so the mental health side of things is always just trying to manage the mind, managing the situations, and also just having having maybe conversations that are very tricky that not a lot of people want to have and it's, they put it up and you know, they put it off and it's like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow, I'll do that tomorrow and before you know it, a week's gone, a month's gone, a year's gone and and then you're just kind of holding on to this energy and space which isn't yours only but it's because you know we think something bad's going to happen because of how people react and you know, how we all coexist is the biggest challenge you know and so yeah, you know, that's what it's, I'm kind of finding. I've been reading a few bits on things like procrastination and people just think it's like an ignorance thing but they're linking now a lot of procrastination back to unresolved trauma yeah. and procrastination is just a way of you avoiding having to deal with it. And even with ADHD, I've seen some, there's some recent stuff coming out now that, you know, it was labeled as a disease, but they're saying it actually is impacted from a family perspective that if you are, if there's trauma in the family, the parents fight and things like that, that you, you, you check out mm-hmm. as a child because you don't have to deal with it. If you check out, over and over and over and over again that becomes a behavioral trait mm-hmm. so when you when you become an adult that's why your attention span is so low because you've trained yourself into being able to check yourself out which i was like wow that's really fascinating mm-hmm. to think of it in that sense mm-hmm. that a lot of uh, this is why i really believe you mentioned you've got a, a 50 50 chance you're born with a certain level of dna and and all that hereditary stuff but i actually think environment plays a more yeah, important so. role than, than environment dictates performance, mate. That's something yeah. we say with all the athletes you work with, like, and it's obviously a different skill, but environment dictates performance from like in terms of where you live, uh, going to the beach and what you can access, but at the same time, even your workspace. Like, for me, COVID was the start of me being forced to work from home. I don't like working from home, but much prefer being out and doing things. But then, even where your desk is, where your computer is, in your house, is it? in a certain location. Some people do it on the couch, which could be detrimental. Some people do it in a certain area where there's no distractions. And then some people go to cafes, etc. Some people need to find the environment or even create their own environment. It dictates the best performance for them. And that includes 
the people around them. Maybe it's music, maybe it's not. Maybe it's the weather, maybe it's not. Maybe it's access to half the things. And I think that happens. What the good thing about that is, we're in control a lot of that, a lot of the time. So it's not as easy just to pack up and move countries, etc. It can be done. You start out in control of that. But in terms of your house, I think a lot of low-hanging fruits lie within a place you're in a lot of the time. So if you're at home and you do work from home and it's you feel like I'm, unproduct- I'm unproductive, I'm procrastinating, then you can maybe look at it. Rather than try to do anything extreme, just look at first and foremost, what is my environment? Is my phone here? And we spoke about this in the last podcast, silly. Like, where's my desk facing? Is there any other distractions? Like, can I hear the neighbours going about music? Or like, what is happening there? And I think a lot of people could probably find that their procrastination does dissipate a little bit when they have a bit more structure to their own environment and then going from there. Because we all know that. was the feeling? You go on holiday, you go on holiday, nothing's changed in your life. Yeah. But you just change your environment and it's it straight away. You're, you're bouncing, here we go. You're in the pool, everything's brilliant again. Your life's the exact same. You're just in a different place. And for yeah. whatever reason, or when the sun comes out, you know, it's like the sun comes out, people are straight out, everything's brilliant again. But everything in your life remained the same. And yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy how that can work. But I think that's a really low-hanging fruit for people is to try and create the best environment for them. And like you alluded to, Mark, was which I agree massively, as I think nowadays, hopefully people are going more minimalistic with things rather than trying to just collect more and more shit. I've found myself throwing out more stuff making bigger, taking longer periods of time to decide that even need that, like that would be class to have, or that would be class to go and do or take on another role. Uh, maybe work-wise, take another role and an opportunity on, or buy a new thing or get a mortgage, whatever it might be going, but what would it look like if I didn't do that? Like how different would it be? Would it be that big of a, like, would that be in a better headspace? And my mindset now is went to, this is from a personal standpoint of my mental health of, right, that is brilliant. I know that would help me financially. It might help me, like, network more. It might get more opportunities. It might help my family. However, if I took that on, where would my mindset be? I'd probably be more stressed out. I'd have less time with my friends and family, etc., which makes me happy. I'd less time to travel, which makes me happy. Then really thinking, I'm just going to have to say no to that. Yes, I've now got less stuff, but then it becomes a lot, your life becomes a lot simpler. Yeah. On, on those yeah. in that regard, and I think I do agree. I've, I'm meeting more and more people who are starting to second guess the old school mentality of you need to do this and you need to do this, like the the book of life. This is you need to go and do that, and then oh, you're 36. How come you've not got this now? And how, you're 32. How come, like what? Who's there's no rules here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm living. I don't have what you've got, but I'm perfectly happy. You might be happy as well. Crack on and vice versa. And I think that's a uh, some great points you made there, mate. That was uh, it was good to listen to. Brilliant. It's like asking that why, you know, keep, you know, that keep saying why, but why, but why? And if you, if you're, suddenly there's a why, yeah. Yeah. If you're unstuck, then, you know, what are you doing it for? And saying yes to things and realizing that your time is money, whatever your expertise is. And like, we're all kind of business owners. Like, we have, we're, we've, our hourly rate is a high level. It's a mm-hmm. premium rate. And like, to get away, I used to be like, yes, 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 because you're just trying to succeed. Mm-hmm. But that's just detrimental to you in the long run. You have to kind of really, you know, laser focus that and prioritize yourself. Otherwise, you, you can't get anything done. Yeah. And that's when, you know, self-awareness, you hope. I mean, self-awareness is one thing, but it's what you do with it, you know, and like you said, you've got to act on some of this stuff and just play around with it. You just kind of described it perfectly, really. Just play around with this kind of the alternative. Just play with it. Even if it doesn't go nowhere, just for a split second or five minutes, just, okay, what, what would this feel like, you know? And, and then you haven't got to act on that first thought. There's always that kind of one beyond it. And then you start to question you know, and then, yeah, you, then you've kind of got your intuition there and then you start to trust yourself a little bit and then 
and then you open, you can ask other people, and mm-hmm. you know you don't then start to go down the avenue of asking multiple people because then that's another example of just not getting something done. You know, you want to act as well and start to trust your own judgment with it, and that just comes with experience. And hopefully, you don't fuck up too many times where you know then alarm bells are ringing, and then it's like, okay, you need to uh, have a little look here because there's something can come with all this stuff, and it's you. You know, you're in the middle of all of it. Yeah. So yeah, and then that's just that's just the journey. Okay, okay. How can we how can we get through this? So, Mark, we always finish on these three quick fire questions that we ask everybody, uh, and it's been really fascinating over the the thirty plus episodes that we've done over two seasons. The answers that people have come up with. There's been lots of variances, but also a lot of similarities. So the first one is. Out of ten, where do you think the world is in terms of mental health awareness? Oh, depends who you surround yourself with. Again, if you listen to the news, or is it five thoughts? Sorry, ten, ten the best, yeah? Is in a good place? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. If you listen to the news uh, and, and stuff like that, I would say it's probably a four. My reality, i.e. kind of what I see and what I surround myself with, is probably a seven, mm. you know, because mm. even this morning, I know it's a quick fire, but there's amazing things that happen. And they exist, and there's lots of amazing people that's creating amazing spaces for people. And so it's not all doom and gloom. It's just you know you just need to you need to turn up. Yeah, so they do exist. That is that is that is an interesting point because you mentioned like now we're more connected. We see the we see the global news every day. That's a lot, and it is easy to fall in. And I do it all the time. Going, oh fuck, I give up. Like the world is fucked. You know, Mm. you go on that, but you have to kind of have that positive attitude of like, well, let me do, let me stick in my lane. And there was some artists I think saw better. He said he was sick of feeling guilty about what was going on in the world. And he just decided, no, I'm just going to do whatever I can in my own little lane. That's and that's all I can do. Take and you got to believe yeah, and trust the process that everybody else will have that. And it's that kind of power of one, but you can actually make a lot of impact mm-hmm. on. Now, that's great. And I think the other layer to that question, let's say, is depends where you are, right? Because we've had a lot of international guests as well. And maybe what, let's say, the, the scenarios in Australia versus ireland or indonesia or south africa or whatever it can vary depending on your yeah, location yeah. right yeah. yeah listen there's always stuff that needs to be done there's always more to be done but then also things don't happen overnight you know we're mm. talking generationally you know things mm. take time we just need patience there's no instant gratification with this mm. and that's complex issues but we're getting there and, you and know, that's the exciting thing look both of us are dads you know hopefully gary will be his own dad at one point if he wants kids maybe not that's okay as well but, you know, to think of us as dads talking about this now and think even one generation ago, your dad and my dad would not be doing no, this ever, no, ever. Never things mind. Are, things are happening. Yeah. Things are absolutely happening. So but hopefully the future is bright. The second one out of the three is where is your own mental health out of 10 right now? I, I would say if you asked me this six months ago, which you didn't, it was, <laughs> it was, I was Kill just knee, knee, knee deep in grief and loss and divorce and stuff like that and just managing my way through that. It was, it was, well, it's, 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 you can ask this two ways. It was maybe a three or a four, mm. but I, I knew that give time, time, I'll be okay. Yeah. So then you could say it was a 10, you know, because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I knew, aware of it. Yeah. yeah, I was just going through it and I wasn't escaping it. I was feeling it and I was felt what needs to be felt. So right now, where I am in this week and everything that's happening and, and fast forward in six months where I was Easter to now and just knowing where I am is... Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a steady, I'm a steady seven. You know, I've still got a lot of stuff that happened that is still there and, and evident, and it's going to take me years to get out of. But that's okay because 
that's there and I'll just chip away. And, but so, yeah. and then look, the last question, and it was actually something I was pondering as you were chatting about your sobriety and the journey you've been on. And it's the question itself is if there was one thing that you could recommend on any day to do to improve your mental health, what would that be? And the extra layer I was going to say is like, you must, you're a human like everybody else. You must get a day, a bad day where you go, like the temptations maybe arise. Obviously you've learned a lot to cope with that, but when you get a day like that yourself, like what's the one thing that you would always go to to try and get you through that day? Well, I suppose these days that I, I absolutely adore my daughters, like love them. To, it sounds like an obvious thing to say, but I love them. I'm not obsessed with them. You know, they'll show up in how I need to show up and I don't kind of, yeah, suffocate them. We've got a really good vibe, really good relationships. I just think my girls, you know, and uh, everything that I do, they come first fundamentally. Quality, mate. That's superb. Great answer. Awesome. Great answer. Oh, mate, brilliant chat, mate. It was really good to listen to you as well, mate. So today is Friday. <laughs> the days yeah. have gone a bit more than yeah. long. The run grateful is tomorrow. Yeah. So we might be able to get this out quick enough. People could come down. We're going to be at Bondi all day, right through to Sunday. But for anyone that wants to get in touch with you, Mark also runs workshops. We actually held a gratitude workshop here at Nimbus on brand today with the team, and which was an amazing experience. I would highly recommend you do that with corporates, right? But yeah. how do people get involved? Social media, email, contact, tell us. Yeah, I suppose the most important thing for us that we try to message out is just to go and experience a grateful mile for yourselves. You know, don't take my word for it. Go and jump into it and... Yeah, just before you go out, just focus, you know, on as a headline, you know, in the simplest form, focus on something or someone you're grateful yeah. for and just for that mile, think about it and jump into that feeling. And and then, yeah, if that kind of you know, tickles your feathers or whatever the word is, then, yeah, run, rungrateful.com is, is a place to kind of get a sense of other opportunities to get involved and, and what we do and how we could support you in your next steps with, with that kind of mindful journey around movement, really. And you're on Instagram, all those? Yeah, it's all on the website, but yeah, Run Grateful Official on Instagram, and we're not too proactive on other things, but you know, we're getting there. We're yeah. getting there. Awesome. Well, look, Mark, thanks so much for your time. Oh, good. For, I love for sharing it. your story. Really no worries. And Run Grateful and all the great things that you're doing. Gratitude, as we've spoken about this week, is something that's only come into my life really in the last year or so. And I can't speak more highly of it and the impact. And I know even if you're out there and thinking, oh, I'm not sure if it's for me, just stick with it because mm-hmm. I have definitely seen it impact me positively. So I'll be continuing to do that like throughout the rest of my life, really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look, if you're around tomorrow, we'll be at the beach from Saturday morning through to Sunday. So yeah, oh, yeah. we'll see you then. And if not, there, check yeah. out Mark on One Grateful. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Good man. See you guys. Bye. Thanks.